Hey friends, we are glad to be back after a brief hiatus. If you've ever been or are currently in an abusive marriage relationship, but you've found that the church you're part of, the church you love, just doesn't understand how an imbalance of power can be used to control, coerce, threaten, humiliate, and harm a married woman, you're not alone. In fact, in a recent poll in our Facebook community, 85% of respondents indicated they'd experienced domestic abuse within marriage. Our guest today is a biblical counselor who started a ministry to help women in the midst of domestic abuse. And a unique aspect of the ministry is how they reach out to churches, helping those local fellowships to understand the dynamic of what's going on and showing them how they can protect the women and children involved. I think you're going to be very encouraged by today's episode. Hello and welcome to Christ-Dependent Single Motherhood. Are you feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, and longing for a safe community of believers? Do you sit up at night Googling how to work and homeschool at the same time, or Bible verses on anxiety? Do you wish for a Titus II older woman to help you navigate this lonely parenting path? I'm Sarah, a veteran homeschooling mom, daughter of Christ, and no stranger to broken marriage. I know the heavy burden of shouldering a family alone. I only wanted to raise my children to love Jesus Christ, but I watched as my family crumbled in front of me. I didn't know who I could trust, but God provided the healing and discipleship I needed through mentors who spent years faithfully applying His Word to my heart like ointment to wounds. My desire is to use this podcast to share what I've learned, what I'm still learning. My prayer is that you'll be pointed to Christ, learn to forgive, find freedom from fear, and learn that we have a God who can be trusted. Make sure your earbuds are charged and grab your Bible. Let's walk this path together. Well, welcome to Christ-Dependent Single Motherhood for another week. This is your friend, Sarah, and we are here today with Joy Forrest. And Joy is the executive director of Call to Peace Ministries, which is a ministry that helps domestic abuse survivors. And um, we have had a lot of discussion in our online community about issues surrounding abuse. And that is one of the big reasons that I really wanted to have Joy come on and share with us today. And one of the big things, Joy, that I I wanted to address was 
um, situations where women are in a church and they love their church and their church is committed to the word of God, but it's a church that just doesn't understand domestic abuse. And maybe their response to an abusive situation within a marriage isn't the best. And these women typically feel like they have very limited recourse. They don't know what to do. They really desperately need the support of their church. It's basically the most vulnerable time in these women's lives. And they're at a complete loss. So Joy, can you just tell us a little bit about your ministry and how Called to Peace helps women in those situations where their church doesn't get it? Yeah, thank you, Sarah. Um, It is way too common that that happens. It happened in my own situation. And I really think a lot of it is just a lack of knowledge. You know, Hosea 4, 6 says people perish for a lack of knowledge. And I really believe that that's the case in most churches. They don't know what they're dealing with. Heck, most of the time, the women don't know what they're dealing with. I was in an abusive marriage for 15 years and I dated him for eight years before that. And I never called it abusive. Right. Confused. I thought that he had an anger problem and I made excuses for the times that he really blew up and destroyed property or even hurt me from time to time. It got more and more physical towards the end. And so then I finally started naming it abuse. But a lot of the women that we work with, they come to us more confused because it's just extreme mistreatment. It's things like um, not having a say in their marriage or not being able to vocalize even a difference of opinion sometimes, right. not uh, having the freedom to, to make choices um, without either being criticized or uh, controlled or coerced into changing their minds. They really lose their ability to be free agents anymore. And so they don't even, uh, they don't really define it as abuse. And a lot of times their churches won't either. And if you go to a church and you say, Hey, I'm in an abusive situation, then a lot of times that's actually a red flag for the pastors and it can actually make things go worse for Mm -hmm. you. It's better to go in and describe what's happening, the impact that it's having on you and your children and hope that they might go, wait a minute, that's just not right. But if you go and say, my husband's abusive. And the other thing that I find is that um, women who have been through this kind of treatment, whether there's been any physical violence uh, or not, meaning whether that they've hurt you physically, um, they've hurt you physically just in the amount of stress that they've caused you. But if there's not been any physical harm, then a lot of times the church definitely is, they're not even going to count it as abuse. So they really need to start seeing the impact. But women who've experienced that will have complex post-traumatic stress and all the symptoms. And so when we show up to talk to maybe the church, the pastor or whoever it may be, that person shows up to speak to someone, they're so stressed out and having post-traumatic stress symptoms that a lot of times they're too emotional and it actually doesn't go very well for them because they're too emotional and pastors don't know really how to handle that. Right. Right. So So where where do you go from there? If, I mean, so do your, your ministry actually sends people in to like advocate for these women in their local church bodies? That's, is that correct? 
Yeah. So several years ago, I started doing this. We, we started the ministry back in 2015. I had been going into churches with women for quite a while. Um, but then um, about 2017, we had a, a pastor who was on our board and he had a situation in his church where the woman did exactly what I just said. She went in and started describing what was happening in her marriage. And he thought, that's cruel. That's not right. And right. so he started researching it and he was, he finally found a powering control wheel, which is what we used to, that was the thing that opened my eyes. It's something that describes the tax, tactics of abuse. And so he actually shows it to the woman. He says, could this be what's happening in your marriage? So he told her that it was abusive. And so this guy um, also decided to sign up for our one-year advocacy training that we do. And he took, you know, a year of the training and was just becoming a great advocate for women. And I kept thinking, I didn't just need to hire a man, you know, because I felt like sometimes some of the male pastors didn't want to hear from a woman. So, and, and pastors can relate better to other pastors. So he, um, I just kept having this idea, maybe he would be willing to work for, a, you know, come in and work. And I asked him, I said, Jim, hey, do you think you'd be interested in coming to work for Call to Peace, maybe five to 10 hours a week? And he goes, well, actually, my, my church and I just had a discussion about me going bivocational um, this week because he was in a very small church that didn't make a lot of money. So he could use some extra money at the time. And so Anyhow, we hired Jim on. And so what we do now, well, since then, we've hired two other um, church partnership liaisons, and we have a couple of volunteer uh, church partnership liaisons, all men who are willing to go in and talk to pastors and to help them navigate these situations because they're so tricky. They're counterintuitive. A lot of times it doesn't look on the outside like what's really happening. And you know that most abusive people can be very charming, um, yes. cunning. And so they're way more convincing than uh, the victim may be. The victim may show up and she seems completely unstable because she's about to come unglued because yeah. of all the stress she's living under. And then when she shows up and talks to the pastor, she's almost hysterical. Pastor thinks, hmm, probably not stable. And a lot of times abusers will paint that picture of their wives. I remember years ago in a situation in my church, a woman came up to me in tears in the bathroom telling me, I don't know what's going on. I think it's abuse, but I'm not sure. Well, I had remembered back several years before that I was teaching a Bible study on Sunday night and she had signed up for my Bible study. This man came up to me um, a week before the class had started. He goes, oh, I hear my wife's taking your Bible study. Maybe you can help her. He didn't explain that. He just went, maybe you can help her to, inf to infer there's something wrong with my wife. And that's the impression that he gave everybody in the church. He would go around and talk about how unstable she was in just this low level way so that when she comes to me, I'm like, what's wrong with her? Right. And so we know that that kind of thing happens a lot, that um, pastors can be easily fooled, just like we as victims can be easily fooled. We fall for that charming, cunning uh, personality up and up front because the bad stuff doesn't usually start right away. And right. it's like the frog and boiling water analogy. So you in the beginning are dealing with a little bit of control here and there. It's not anything like what it becomes over a course of years. And it does get progressively worse over time. Sure. So when you, um, when call to peace intervenes in these situations and they're able to make contact with the pastor of a church um, where there's a woman in a situation 
she's being abused and it hasn't been clear to that church leadership, um, really what's going on. What kind of results have you seen? Have you seen our, um, pastors pretty open to learning or, um, is there some rigidity? Can you share with us some of, some of what's happened as a result of, of your ministry's advocacy? Yeah. So yes, yes, they can, they can, we do see movement. We see them receptive and open many times and yes, there can be uh, rigidity and no, this is a marriage problem. And so, but I would say that it, it has been in, uh, it's been improving over the last three to four years. We're seeing more and more churches become open. I don't know what's caused that. Maybe the Me Too movement and just so many people not being quiet about what ha- is happening behind closed doors these days. Um, but I would say maybe 70% are pretty open, very open, maybe even 80%. But a lot of times the churches are now reaching out to us. Um, mm-hmm. When we go in for a specific woman, we will do that. Um, you can reach out to Call to Peace Ministries and you can ask for an advocate. An advocate can also connect you with our church partnership liaisons. Okay. And um, when we reach out to the pastors, many times they're pretty open, but of course they can be suspect too. Like, why is this man just, re- or this person just reaching out to me out of the blue about this situation? And they may think, oh, I've got a handle on this. I know it's a marriage problem. The number one thing that we try to teach them is domestic abuse is not a marriage problem. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an individual person's problem. It would be like, let's say somebody has an addiction issue. They're a heroin addict and you take them and you bring them in for marriage counseling and you say to the wife, now, what is it you're doing that causes him to use? And I'm sure that there may be some really bad counseling out there that would do that. But the bottom line is that we know that it's his decisions that, it, that um, what he decides to do is going to determine the possible outcome of his future and even his families. And so it's not up to her. And the same is true when it comes to domestic abuse. Now, there are things that we can teach women to do. We can teach them to be less reactive. We can teach them... Um, you know, how to um, maintain boundaries and to be safe and things like that. But um, the bottom line is that a marriage really can't survive without two people who are willing to work on it. And generally speaking, somebody who's abusive just wants to do things their way and everybody else needs to fall in line. So it's not, it doesn't respond well at all to marital marital counseling. Okay. They'll just manipulate the pastor or the counselor or whoever's in front of them, and it will turn into her problem in those counseling sessions. Okay. And so that's why it's recommended that in abusive situations, the situation never be addressed by marital counseling, correct? Right. Exactly. Yes. But separate counseling. Yeah, for sure. Um, Do you, is it possible, do you have any hopeful stories that you are able to share without, you know, I know that you, um, want to respect privacy. Um, is there, are there any hopeful stories that you're able to share of, of really great results? Yeah. Um, 
Well, uh, we do a women's retreat uh, once a year, uh, okay. survivors retreat. And this year, um, I was walking over to the conference or the the meeting room where we were going to be meeting. And this woman says, "Hey, do you, have you got a minute?" And I said, "Well, walk with me." And she just started thanking me profusely for what Call to Peace had done, meant in her life. And she said, first of all, I got into our to the support groups, and it gave me an instant community. And just doing the work really helped me heal. And, um, and then I had an advocate and the advocate suggested that I get one of the church partnership liaisons to talk to my pastors and, um, and they listened and Mm -hmm. she said, like, they completely changed the way that they were responding. They were treating it like a marriage problem. Everything was focused on me and it flipped and it went back the other direction. It, it, they got it. They started understanding. And she just stopped and was weeping. And she says, basically, like, call to peace, save my life because of w- what you guys did. Every single program. And I, I couldn't help but think, oh, my goodness. Like, God, you have done an amazing thing here. It's, this is not my, my ministry. I would have never conceived any of this. Like, it's just all happened very organically. And God has been so good and faithful. And and we're so grateful to have these men who can walk alongside and be advocates for these women in their churches. Um, it is a, it's an amazing thing. Wow. Praise God. That, that encourages me so much to hear. And I know that a lot of our listeners are really going to be encouraged too. Um, Joy, if, if some of our listeners are hearing this and they feel like they could benefit from what Call to Peace has to offer, where should they go? Who should they contact? The best way to do it would be just to go to our website, which is just called to peace.org. So C A L L E D T O P E A C E.org. Um, and if you go to the bottom of the first page, and I think it's on many of the other pages, it just says request help from an advocate. Okay. Start there. Um, somebody will contact you. We have a phone number, um, which is actually still, um, manned, I should say manned, woman <laughs> <laughs> by uh, volunteers. Um, and so we really are probably quicker to respond to filling out a form on the website. Um, that way our intake team gets a hold of it and someone will be, reach back out to you. And so then if they're interested and they're having issues with the church, they let the advocates know. The advocates will work alongside them too. So um, even an advocate will be a part of that team and we'll just bring in the church partnership guys um, whenever we think necessary, when we believe that church contact might be beneficial or helpful or if, if they request it. Um, again, knowing that not every church is going to get it. What I find is that it's whether or not they have the humility to say, I, I have to learn something here. Mm. And, um, some churches are not that way. I also believe I'm finding that generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, the younger generation is getting it a whole lot better than my generation did. I'm like in my sixties now, and I'm finding the the younger ones in their thirties and forties gives me great hope for the future. Oh, praise God. Well, Joy, um, thank you once again for being with us and talking about this issue of what to do when a church just doesn't get domestic abuse. And we're going to be putting a link to Call to Peace Ministries in the show notes of this episode so that if you, our listeners, are hearing this and you're wanting the kind of help that Joy is describing, you can head on over to that ministry website and apply for an advocate. 
Thank you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Yes. If you've been uplifted in any way by this podcast, it would mean so much if you'd not only subscribe, but leave a written review over on Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for a community of like-minded, believing women on the same path as you, consider joining our Facebook group. A link is in the show notes. Until next time, remember, we have a God who can be trusted.